Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Maureen in New Zealand, good morning to you on this Tuesday morning and courtesy of Brent, your local John Deere equipment suppliers, everything agriculturally wise, they are the experts, get in and see them in their North Island branches, I think there's 17 of them at the moment, it's a growing business and uh, they will uh, do everything they can to help you out if uh, you're in the country. Uh, David Bolesky, after a sermon very shortly, uh, David of course is our golfing expert. Uh, we've uh, spoken to him a lot throughout this calendar year. He's given us some amazing information uh, on tournaments, upcoming tournaments. We're going to do a bit of a review of uh, the year of golf and look forward to uh, a couple of events coming up. Uh, just after uh, 9.30, uh, we will view the opportunity for talkback. Um, we haven't quite uh, got too many topics, actually. You might have one. You might have one or two. Um, you might get one out of the sermon as well. Uh, so uh, we'll have a multi for 10 o'clock. Then we're going to talk uh, racing with Stephen Hunt from the TAB, of course. Um, I wonder if the TAB boys have gone from Petone up to Trentham to fix those starting gates. That would be a nice gesture. They don't do much else down there. Uh, And then Stump by by Smithy. Stump by Smithy at about quarter past 10. Uh, And then we'll cross to uh, Daniel McCarty just after that because Daniel's calling uh, the game between the White Ferns and Pakistan, the first of the 50 over games and the big question is what new talent can we unearth in this series that to me is the key sport is our religion and here is smithy's sermon right no doubt over the next couple of weeks there'll be pub chat maybe office chat maybe even home chat about the sporting highlights of the year there always is at this time but what about the lowlights the single biggest or smallest act that rocked the sporting world and had the most ramifications. Number one for me has to be the kiss. The smackaroo that Louis Rubiales, Spanish football chief, planted fair and square on the lips of Spanish midfielder Jenny Hermoso on the dais as they celebrated Spain's incredible Women's World Cup win. Started as a storm in a teacup, it's ended up as a social and sporting tornado. Rubiales lost face, his job, a lot of money and probably ended any chance of a profile job anywhere, anytime soon, because it ran a lot deeper than sport and a spur-of-the-moment thing. Jenny Hermoso, the victim, shall we say, one of the most skilled and talented women's footballers in the world, will always be remembered as the recipient of that kiss. A victim of a very public sex crime, they say. Uh, Some saying it was worse than that. It was hugely regrettable. I mean, the Spanish are known for their flair, their tender fiesta or desire to celebrate. Rubiales is in the cold light of day. Every day will regret the act. Hermoso might from time to time wonder too if she made the right call to make so much of it, despite the groundswell of support she has received globally. Can't think of too many more fleeting moments this year, to be honest. Drop catches, missed tackles, knock-ons, red cards and big moments, missed putts. Sure, you'll find some biggies there, but nobody lost face, lost respect, lost their lives as they knew them, or had them turned upside down to that extent as that one kiss on the lips that rocked the sporting world and changed podium celebrations forever and a day. That's my controversy of the year. What's yours? 
it's the silly season after all, and it feels like golf has taken that quite literally with John Rahm's defection to live last week, causing major shockwaves throughout the sport. The money is one thing, but the PGA Tour, rumours of who is likely to follow, is a continued concern as they try and get some sort of deal over the line. Meanwhile, a couple of really good people in golf, Jason Day and our very own Lydia Cove, won the inaugural Grant Thornton Invitational adding a nice result for what has been a tough year for Lydia in particular. Uh, David Bileski uh, is always available to chat to us here on SCNZ, which is absolutely fantastic. He is Deep Dive Golf on Twitter. It's the last time uh, I shall have a chance to chat to him anywhere this year. Uh, David, thank you very much for your contributions this year, and thanks for giving us a bit of time this morning as well. Yeah, good morning. Morning, Philly. Yeah, pleasure. Good to speak with you again. Okay, so let's uh, start on the the positives. Yes, Jason Day and Lydia Ko and the the Grant Thornton. I, I watched them come down the stretch yesterday. Uh, it's uh, an interesting concept. Is it is it a keeper? Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was good to it's it's great to see you know uh, new initiatives and new formats like this that are actually, in my opinion, going to grow the game. We've seen something similar on the DP World Tour with the um, the Volvo mixed in the um, on the DP World Tour. We've seen in mixture of the ladies and the men playing at the same time and really there's there's no reason why you can't do that if it's structured correctly so um look it was it was fantastic to see the the antic team get across the line um thought tony fennell and um his partner played very well and um you know to to come down down the stretch and get the job done was was very pleasing but for me it's uh, it's the sort of initiative that actually is going to grow the game as game of golf um it's going to attract new viewers and it's that sort of innovative thinking where um you're project- presenting something new where you're getting the best of both worlds with lpga and pga tour players um competing at the same time i liked it because they had given it some decent thought because one of the biggest talking points of course uh if you look to play men with women or men against women etc in the same sort of format is distance uh, and i thought they were very clever about how they went about uh, the distance side of things, and they also did uh, an initiative uh, which I found interesting on the par threes. Um, you part alternative balls, so we, we, or you play the alternative balls from the tee shots. So I thought that was quite a good concept too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, there's, and there are ways around this. That's the that's the thing. I mean, we've seen it. So the Scandinavian Open's been been running for. Uh, sorry, the the Volvo Scandinavian mix been running for quite some time now, um, and you know it's a, a format which is an individual leaderboard, whereas the Grant Thornton was a, a team based event. Um, but with the Volvo, you know they've got the the women and the men on exactly the same leaderboard, and we've actually seen um, a young uh, talent, Lynn Grant, um, won that in 2022. Um, and became the first um, woman to win a DP World Tour event, which is is fantastic to see. So um, more of it, I say. Just um, we need to bring on the innovation and keep um, growing the game and attracting um, you know these these new events where the format can really make a difference and actually provide something really engaging and something different from the the kind of regular events that we see rolled out sort of um, 30, 40 times a year. It was nice to see uh, Lydia Ko uh, with a smile on her face. Of course, the money doesn't mean uh, that much to her these days, but performance still does. Um, So uh, how do you think um, Lydia will look back on this year? I mean, compared to last year, it's no comparison, is there? Yeah, look, I mean, it was was a tough season for for Lydia, and it's, it's... it's interesting, right? I mean, these things come in waves when it, when it comes to golfers, and Lydia's kind of last year just had such a stellar year. I mean, it was, uh, you know, it was really a landmark return for her, and you know, and, and it has slipped backwards a little bit year, and I think by her own admission, she would she would acknowledge that. But you know, what a great way to to end the season, and hopefully, it means that she can kick on in twenty twenty four to to bigger and better things. Rightio, uh, the big news, of course, of uh, the golfing world in the last. Well, a week, I suppose it's fair to say, is uh, the defection, and we call, still continue to call it the defection across the Live Golf, uh, by John Rahm, who had made all sorts of noises against the possibility of he's ever going to do it to the extent that I've got enough money, I don't need it. Uh, but he's gone. He has, yeah. And um, look, it's a, there's no doubt about it. It's, it's certainly a, a big victory for Live grabbing arguably one of the, the biggest biggest three uh, golfers in the world. Um, you've got Rahm, Hovland, Scheffler, McElroy, um, really is 
is almost the big four now um, in professional golf. And yeah, picking up John Rahm's a, a real coup for them. And in some ways, it makes a lot of sense, right? John Rahm won the Masters this year, put on the green jacket, and that for him's now opened up. Um, obviously, it gives him lifetime entry to the Masters, but gives him sort of five to ten years in the other majors where he's guaranteed entry into all of them while the, the world golf rankings um, get sorted out to... Um, for live and how it integrates into the wider system of golf as it stands. So in many ways, if if one of the big guys was going to go, Ram made the most sense after that that win. I think there was a real real turning point probably in his thinking where he went, okay, well, you know, they're they're throwing enough money at me, and and you know, we're not talking a, a small amount of money, nine hundred fifty million New Zealand dollars to um, for three odd years apparently is is what the deals come down to. Um, and he's still going to get to play all the majors. Um, I think it's it's been a real kick in the guts for the PGA Tour and a real kick in the guts for, for golf fans. I, I I struggle to see how any of this is going to continue to be good for um, you know the, the people who probably matter the most, which are the ones who are watching the, the tournaments, um, producing the revenue, and um, the, the fans of golf are, are going to suffer, unfortunately. So... If they, have they got any more targets? I mean, I mean, the only guy I can think who currently is really playing on a regular basis is Rory, who's been their biggest foe, their biggest uh, spokesman against them. And is, 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 could they sign anyone bigger than Ram? To be fair, not really. I mean, I, I think that that, uh, as you said, McElroy's been so outspoken on on Liv. I mean. If McElroy signed, I think that would just end the whole thing, um, because there'd be there'd be kind of no way back from there. Um, but I, I don't I don't expect he'd do that. It'd be such a huge team of face. I don't think it'd even it would ever be possible for him. Um, I think Scotty Scheffler is also unlikely, and um, Hovland still has a few things that he'll need to to really tick off. I think before a live golf cap contract comes in, and, and namely. Um, picking up a major and making sure that he's getting entries into all the other majors. So. Of the big guys, Ram was was the the guy who was going to go if it was ever going to happen. His name had been rumoured previously, but I really think that was the turning point was was getting that major victory and guaranteeing those entries for for many many years to come. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, it, it does it gives the golf a lot of legitimacy. It, it's they've there's no doubt about it. They've claimed a huge scalp, and with that, it's going to um, perhaps open up the doors for others. I think that's inevitable. Um, the the rumour is that Tony Fino and Toro Hatton um, will probably follow. Um, Sandra Schofflay and Patrick Handley have also been rumoured, and there's murmurings about them going as well. And when a big guy like John Rahm goes, I mean that just you know does open the the door for for a lot of other players um, to to follow suit. And my fear out of all of this is just where where does it leave golf in in 15 to 20 years? Where where is the game of professional golf going to be? Because we're now at, at real risk that if if a merger doesn't happen between the PGA Tour and Live Golf, that golf ends up becoming tennis. You know, where you've got so many tournaments with nobody playing at the same time, it's hard to know which tournaments matter and which don't. And invariably, you end up watching Wimbledon and the French Open and the US Open and the Australian Open, and that's kind of it because that's when all the, the big players are playing together. And, and that's what golf risks becoming now um it, it risks becoming that that all these other tournaments nobody can really be bothered with them and they just watch um watch the majors and they just say you know give me a call in april when the masters is back on um it's yeah it's it's a real it's it's a real difficult um thing to wrap your head around of where this is going to go and what what comes next after this because um i, I do think it backs pga into a bit of a corner um they almost could probably feel now that they have to get this merger done um, in some way to, to make sure they're getting uh, Ram into some of their tournaments and, and dropping some of the sanctions that have prevented um, the players competing on both of the tours. But, yeah, it's a, it's a real mess. And, um, I mean, I'm, unfortunately with golf, it's, it's, it is a bit of a niche sport and it hasn't got the viewership of something like um, soccer, which, you know, has obviously been split for many, many years. And now you're just going to have less stars um, spread across two tournaments um, competing at the same time, which is a real shame for the fans. does have a lot of female uh, interest, though. Uh, and I just wonder whether uh, Liv 
women's golf is ever any going to be a possibility? I mean, with the Saudis, uh, with their human rights issues, etc., would they entertain a, a women's live equivalent? Yeah, uh, yep. I mean, that's that's already in the pipeline, and my understanding is they're they're looking at the ladies European tour and targeting um, buying that out as well. So, yeah, I mean, look, they're, they're just going to throw absolutely as much money at it as, as they like until, um, you know, they get what they want. And it's yeah, it's getting to a point of, of not really knowing what they want. You know, is it just simply um, sports washing and improving their, their image on a on a global scale um, and, you know, washing some of those those human rights issues under the carpet because um, because they've got their finger in so many different pots? Um, it's it's certainly not from a business case. I mean, to put into perspective what this this Ram deal means. I mean, the the PGA Tour earns ten percent of the revenue of the NBA in a in a season. It, it earns about one point five billion US dollars in a season in revenue all up, and that's from all sources. You know, TV revenue, merchandise, ticket sales, etc. Um, and these sort of deals that these players are now getting are the equivalent of NBA contracts, and they're only getting 10% of the viewership of, of something like the NBA. So there's, there's, no, there's no business case for this. It's, it is completely unsustainable. I mean, we're living in a, in a very obvious bubble when it comes to golf, and unfortunately now these players have an expectation that that's what they believe that they're worth. They, they believe that they're worth, you know, 950 million New Zealand dollars. And, and unfortunately, that is... That it's simply not the case. Um, there's there's no case to be made from a business point of view here. So that's my fear: is is where where does it go if Saudi do eventually pull the plug, or um, you know, in three four years they go actually, you know, we're not making a return on on our investment, and they have to reduce the the salaries and reduce the purses as a result. And I think that if you're a golfer sitting outside the top hundred in the the world rankings, I mean, this is kind of the the death knell for for your career um, because it's going to really become a very very narrow field in terms of the top events. Um, I think there'll be you know uh, you'll be able to make a living, but it certainly won't be as good for the sort of journeyman golfer um, as as it has been. Um, some of the the other guys who have been playing in these these full field events, um, you might might find that fields are drastically reduced in whatever the new format becomes. You know, maybe just 60, 70 guys in the the big events, and um, just narrow it down to the stars. And they may be the ones who who bring in the revenue. But I think it's a real shame for golf because um, one of the unique aspects of it is when you've got these 150 man fields, is that anyone can win on that day, and you've You've seen some fabulous stories in golf of, you know, journeymen um, finally getting a victory and, and beating some of the big boys, and and that's been some of the appeal of the game. So it's, it's a shame to, to lose that. We hear the great stories, the big, the big money stories, and we hear about who wins and the $5 million paycheck that they get for winning and live golf. But uh, I would be interested to know and uh, to chat to people who were at the bottom end of Live Golf. In fact, the guys that uh, made up the numbers for Greg Norman initially and are nowhere to be found. Yeah, and, and it's, that's also going to be interesting is to see how those guys, you know, I mean, there's, there's obviously an extremely limited field when it comes to Live Golf in terms of the number of players who um, are contracted, just the 48. So, you know, every time that, that somebody gets signed, it means that one of those lower-tiered guys are dropping off. And, yeah, and they they kind of disappear into the wilderness or um, some of them have ended up on the Asian Tour, on the DP World Tour. Um, yeah, I mean, look, you know, for some of them, if they've been at the end of their careers, you know, they may not be the worst thing in the world. And, you know, they might, might think, well, I've made my, my payday and I've, you know, set up my family um, for the rest of their life and... Um, and just have to deliver it from that that perspective. But yeah, oh, we might have lost David momentarily. Just to see if he's still there. Uh, he'll probably still be talking, realizing that we're not listening at this point because uh, he's uh, just disappeared at this point. We need to ask uh, David too about um, what's coming up. What's he looking forward to in the early part of next year uh, about the golfing calendar? Uh, what stage will Ryan Fox enter the fray? I think he was looking at a, about a six-week gap. So that, that would, uh, would be interesting to, to note. So 
hopefully he's back there, David. Yeah, um, I, I don't know what happened there, David, but that's yeah, that that'd be an interesting thing. In terms of what's coming up uh, in the early stages of next year, you know, uh, when it kicks back into gear in what mid to late January, what what are you looking forward to? Yeah, well, I mean, the the PGA Tour kicks off with the Century Tournament of Champions, um, which is uh, the defending champion is John Rahm. So that's going to be extremely interesting to see if they're going to allow him to play, if he's going to be there, and what the 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 um, yeah what the the situation is there, because that would be a real shame of um, seeing that that great course in um, Kapalua and seeing the the best players from the the season previous who have who have all um, won on the PGA Tour. Um, and, and the best performers basically going up and, and not even having the defending champion there, but I think would be um, a real shame. So that, that kicks off the, the PGA Tour. And, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some changes to, to the formats that have been announced. This merger is supposed to finish by the 31st of December. For me, it's it's never it's never felt further away from being being done um, after this recent signing. It's yeah, it's a, it's it's a real shame. It's a, it's a bit of a mess. But um, on the DP World Tour, they've got another tournament in Dubai that I'm really looking forward to, the Dubai Invitational, which is played at the Dubai Creek Golf Club, which uh, hosted the Dubai Desert Classic a, a couple of times. And um, I've played there previously in my time in Dubai, and it's a it's a great course down by the creek <laughs> in Dubai. So that'll be an interesting um, look as well. It'll be a lot of fun. Fantastic, David. Hey, great to catch up with you again, mate, and thank you so much for uh, just getting us a little bit better informed on the John Rahm situation, and uh, we'll just uh, wait with bated breath to see where this uh, actually ends up. But um, from my behalf anyway, mate, it's been a great year chatting to you, and uh, I wish you uh, a very Merry Christmas, and uh, hopefully um, we can do something in the new year and get something sorted. Thanks so much for your time, mate. I appreciate it. Yeah, very Merry Christmas to, to you and Louis and all the crew, mate. And, um, yeah, have a, have a great time. Enjoy your time over in Australia watching the croakers as well. Um, yep. Yeah, I know that you've uh, been doing a pretty tough travelling to, to India and Australia watching the croaker around the world. So um, enjoy yeah. that. hope it goes well. Yeah, your sympathies uh, is gratefully received, mate. Thank you very much. Have a, have a terrific <laughs> time. David Pileski there. Uh, for, he's been with us for so long, and I, I would imagine quite a few people uh, listening have made a bit of money out of David uh, Beleski's uh, thoughts. Uh, I can see one down in Christchurch now, uh, who always uh, sits and listens to David Beleski with pen in hand. Louis Herman, what? Good morning to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. David, uh, David Beleski's sharp, isn't he? Deep dive golf on Twitter, and I just hope that um, we're under some new ownership here at SENZ in the new year. All things going well, it'd be it'd be uh, bloody awesome to be able to work with David on a, a more regular basis. So. Hopefully we can get something across the line because I know how much value he would add, and especially with the, the new punting, well, the, not new, but the punting focus we'll have with uh, Intain and TAB yeah. in the new year. I mean, there's not a better golf tipster in New Zealand, I wouldn't have thought. <laughs> no, there's not. Right, now, in terms of calls, 0800 150811, we'd love you to call. A number of things that you could uh, call us on. Uh, what is your Christmas wish list? If, you, if, if, if someone said, uh, put your wish under the tree uh, for sport next year, well, single biggest wish for sport next year, uh, what would it be? Uh, would it be someone to win something? Would it be uh, something to improve in terms of, I don't know, your experience at a ground, etc., like that? Um, you know, um, what would be for you your uh, biggest wish list? Is it for a New Zealander to do well? I mean, next year's an Olympic year. So uh, anything like that, that would be fantastic. Um, also, you, you might want to uh, just reflect on... Uh, the biggest bad moment in sport this year, the, the silliest or stupidest moment in sport this year. Um, so we'd love to take your calls on 0800 150811. You can text us too on double eight double three double eight double three. Moments in sport this year and what you're looking forward to next year, I think. Uh, we'll, we'll stick on uh, those particular subjects. It is coming up to uh, 9.27 here on SENZ. Roll call, Aston Villa, Wolves, Newcastle United, Nottingham Forest, Sheffield United. We've got you covered. Get the EPL in your air canal on SENZ. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
Radio, uh, it's 0800 150811. You've got uh, a small window here to uh, have your say on uh, any issues, uh, things that have got up your nose in sport this year and you're looking forward to next year, perhaps. Uh, they might be uh, one of your ports of call. Uh, Jeff, Jeff the ref from the, the beautiful Cromwell. What a great time of the year it is to be around Cromwell area as well. Jeff, good morning to you. Thanks for calling. Yeah, morning, Smithy. Welcome back to NZ too. It's been a while, mate. <coughs> I've just got a new job now chasing wallabies and rabbits around the hills, so the reception's not too good up there at times, but uh, good to be back. Uh, yeah, actually, just before I get onto my those topics, I watched that underarm for about the third time. Do you reckon the kidney wouldn't have had no way of hitting that six? I watched it the other night again, it was on. Do you reckon that time the kidney would, there was no chance of hitting that bloody six? I mean, that's the controversial one for me that'll probably live in my memory forever, but. Uh, so you, yeah. uh, I know you I, made those comments, you boys, that you'd never make, hit that six. I mean, I hit a six, which is one and only in my lifetime, was a top edge at Luggett, where you played for the black, <laughs> white, and the black ferns back in the day. But, uh, yeah. Um, I'll tell you, but, yeah, I'll tell you, Jeff, if, if anyone could hit that, um, that uh, Trevor Chapel delivery for six in the modern game, it would be Glenn Maxwell. If anyone could hit that underarm delivery for six. He could perhaps reverse lamp, chip it, ramp, chip something at, at close to a six anyway on the smaller boundaries these days, but it would but only be Glenn Maxwell. Okay. Well, that's really good. Um, I'll have a get over there anyway, probably like yourself. But anyway, um, um, the other one I'll probably have to get over is the TMO at the World Cup final for mm. South Africa. Was, as a referee, I was embarrassed, really. You know, I'd be, I'm a proud referee, mate, and to, you know, just a seat in the house, and you know, and old Barnes, he got flustered because of, you know that'd be the worst game I've seen him refereeing since he just got flustered. And uh, you know, it's like players, you know, and, and referees like under the pressure they make mistakes, and, and there's just far too many for that final. You know, our kickers had a chance too, somebody to to win it for us, mm. and they sort of under the pressure, but. That would be my, you know, controversial TMO, and let's hope some good comes out of that long term. Um, and Ryan Fox wanting a major next year. It would be. Yep. Yep. I, I look, I, I think uh, that'll be unanimous when we we put the poll out there about things we'd like to happen in New Zealand sport. I think you'll find that um, Jeff, that uh, Ryan Fox is. Winning on the PGA Tour and, and perhaps winning a major will be right up there in most people's thinking. And the reason why, he's such a popular New Zealander. Everyone wants him to do well because he's such an engaging New Zealander. He's a typical Kiwi sporting bloke of the of the older elk, elk really. I mean, he's not he's not your modern day super athlete, run around the block a hundred times before you even pick up the putter kind of guy. We know that he goes fishing. He likes a good time. Uh, and he plays damn good golf. I mean, he keeps it very, very simple with all the complications involved uh, around what he does. He seems to have appears to. And, and the, the other thing is he's he's just so approachable and so available for media people. He's an absolute dream. So, look, um, yeah, Ryan Fox to win a major, that would be. I was around pretty close to Michael Campbell, not, not on the ground over there in the United States, but I knew Michael Campbell pretty well during his heyday. Uh, and that was special. Ryan Fox would be equally so. And the first person will ring if uh, once he wins it after him would be Sir Bob Charles, just to think what he would think with, about it as well. Right, uh, John, regular from Auckland. G'day, John. How are you? Who, who's been your biggest bugbear this year? Oh, mate, my biggest bugbear is probably been, um, well, being from Auckland, I'd say the Blues, eh? You know? Uh, it's been 20, 22, 23 years now since we've won the title, so we're still waiting. We're still waiting. Maybe this year, maybe next year. Who knows? But um, did you did you watch the sale DP, Smithy? No, I didn't, but Louis did. Uh, Louis yeah. watched it. Um, he loves it. Absolutely love it. He's listening in too, John. And um, did you see Chris Gale was on the boat, on Team New Zealand's boat? He presented the trophy. Wow, I didn't see that, Louis. Did you? Yeah, Chris. Chris Gale, his arms around um, Pete Burling and Blair Chuk, and they're not small boys. Like they're, they're built. They're, they're pretty. They're pretty decent athletes. And Chris Gale just dwarfing them in like a, a um, kind of 
yeah, he he did have kind of. I mean, I think you're allowed to say. Oh, no, I won't say it in case you know. But he he looked he looks good. He looks good out there. He he looked he looked suave. He looked like he belonged out there. And it was pretty <laughs> random, though, wasn't it, John? Man, it was it was really random. I just thought, because you know, besides us in New Zealand and Australia and India, does anyone know in Denmark or Spain wow. or the US who? In, in Dubai, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah where they were. exactly. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just, I just thought that was uh, just a random moment, really, to have him on the boat. But <laughs> well picked up, John. But, uh, that was pretty random. I thought the same, to be honest. Yeah, but uh, just quickly, boys. Um, Eddie Jones, Eddie Eddie Jones, looks like he's going to be coaching Japan. Um, I have no problem with coaches going where they want to go, just like players, but just. His integrity's gone. You have to say, hey, Smithy. His integrity is shot. I think they counted 14 times uh, he denied it. Media people reckon they they know of 14 times that he had any connection with Japanese rugby or was going to go. 14 times um, he was quizzed on it and denied it and said it was a load of rubbish and there was false reporting. 14 times, John. Oh, it's, yeah, I know, I know. But he's well, he'd be nearly seventy, wouldn't he? So I guess this is a bit of a retirement job for him. And apparently, he's going to be living in Japan full time, so he's not going back to Australia. Probably going to get <laughs> two million dollars, and that's that's all she wrote, mate. He'll get a lot of money. Of course, they got they got a memory. They remember Eddie Jones coached them to beat South Africa in the World Cup in two thousand and fifteen. Um, so they've, they've got a memory. Uh, that's probably their proudest moment in the whole history of rugby, and they've put so much time and effort and money into it, the Japanese. But uh, in all honesty, um, he, they can have him. Uh, I think the world, world of rugby yep. believes they can have him as well because uh, he's, he's done Australian rugby a great disservice, and I think he's given uh, world rugby, um, uh, I think, a bit of a dent in terms of credibility as well because he was, aside from all this palaver, Quite a highly rated and respected coach and a spokesman on the game, but not now, I don't think. Not now. No. And and my big call for 2024 will be yep. Ian Foster to coach the Wallabies. There you go. Woo-hoo-hoo. John from Auckland said it first, and that's where all the good rumours come from. John, congratulations uh, on that. Might be the call of the day and the prediction for uh, 2024. We shall see. Uh, thanks, mate. Thanks very much for your call. Have a terrific day. Scott, good morning to you, Scott. Morning, Smithy. How are you? Yeah, pretty good, mate. Pretty good. I, I say to you first, because in case I don't get to talk to you again, have a great Christmas and a great trip to Australia as well. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it. Really am. No, it should be uh, hopefully a, a good series, and hopefully uh, Pakistan can push Australia a bit in that as well and uh, make it competitive. Um, mm. My my. Uh, Rugby being a being a football man is obviously losing uh, Everton losing ten points, which I don't think was right at all. Um, but you know, coming out the other side, it's it's starting to look better, and um, I'm hoping we might claw back some of those points because I, I still don't think it should have been a ten point deduction for something that the players on the field can't control and, and something that affects the fans at the end of the day. So that's that's my bugbear for this year, and my uh, my big prediction for next year is. Uh, Warriors winning uh, winning the grand final. I think uh, I think they've got a good chance next year. I think Jack can keep well into the team with his experience as well. Um, yeah. I think uh, the experience of um, getting through the to the play uh, through the playoffs this season will help as well. And I, I'm feeling very confident with them next year, to be honest. And um, you know, if if we can uh, knock the Broncos or the Panthers in the final at the same time, that would be awesome. Okay, uh, I look forward to that too. If, if they could win the grand final. That would be super special. Uh, yeah, um, I, I, I kind of... Uh, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, to working in uh, Australia, I've got to say. It's one of my big... Uh, I, I, lo- I love the way Fox Television do it, but I'm also uh, looking forward to um, really starting to focus on a bit of radio commentary. So um, while I'm in Australia, I'll be working for SEN, uh, which is our parent company still. Um, and uh, we'll be doing ball-by-ball ball coverage of that uh, summer of cricket. And then when we get home, of course, SENZ is covering all New Zealand uh, cricket domestically ball-by-ball. Ball. So uh, sitting alongside the likes of uh, Daniel McCarty, uh, Jeremy Coney perhaps. Uh, I don't know who else Daniel McCarty as team captain's got lined up. 
Uh, we'll have to wait and see at some point, but uh, there'll be a smorgasbord of, of former New Zealand cricketers and people wanting to have their say, and uh, we'll be trying to engage as much as we can with the public as well. Uh, Scott, you have a terrific Christmas, and thanks very much for uh, your well wishes. Uh, Scott, another Scott from uh, Taranaki is here. Scott, good morning to you. Good morning, Ian. And uh, my bugbearer is the New Zealand cricket selectors for the test team mm. for this year. Um, now, a mate of mine loves his stats. He'd be a fantastic stat man in a commentary box one day. So he fired me a bunch of stuff in regards to Sam Wells's um, interview on stuff. And uh, he mentioned in that interview, he compared Nichols to Fleming. And of course, you know, that's not okay for a selector for one to be comparing generational players. Um, you know, he compared them when Fleming averaged 46 away and 34 home. And of course, those are back in the days when we used to d- develop green seamers for uh, India, India or Sri Lanka or whatever to come here and play us. So it's interesting that he compared him against a guy who averaged 46 you know, overseas and was a fantastic you know, New Zealand player for us for a long period of time. With, with Henry Nichols and my bugbearer is that the only person a New Zealand selector should be comparing Nichols with is players that play that position currently to see if we're playing the right player, not to talk about generational players. That's for that's for people like me and, and everyone else to talk about when we compare mm. players, you know, against you know, in their in their careers. Um, so for me I'd just like the New Zealand selectors just to get on with selecting the right team that to play each opposition. And I'd like to see Ravinder and Patel play more regularly in the New Zealand cricket team than going forward for 2024. That's my wish. <laughs> Scott, that's an amazing wish, and I, I, I totally agree. What is the role of a selector? I think a role of a selector, um, the easy one is to just to pick the way they're picking at the moment. The, the tough and intriguing role of a selector for me is to recognise when someone's time is up and when someone's time is right. And, and I, I think that one is, is one of the most key things. The time was right for Ravindra. The time was right. He was at the peak of his powers. He's not playing for a month. Who knows what kind of form he's going to be uh, in one of the series against Bangladesh. There'll be great expectation, and he'll want to deliver because he's that kind of kid. But here's, here's the thing. They've taken him out of the game. They've taken him away from the middle of, of a cricketing environment and said to him, um, just take some time off. Um, on the basis of I don't know why, uh, to be perfectly honest. The skill of a selector is to recognise, is to recognise when the time is right for somebody and when the time is not right for somebody, when the situation is right, when the situation is not. That's the skill of a selector. Not just backing up, uh, just backing up stats or saying he was good then, his record was good then. Uh, I wonder how much Sam Wells factored in uh, when he compared him to Stephen Fleming. Uh, that Stephen Fleming was one of the one of, if not the greatest cricket captain we've ever had. Did he factor that in? Did we? Did we? Did uh, Sam Wills factor Stephen Fleming's contribution as a captain, as a leader, at a as a strategist about the game? Um, did he ever factor that in in terms of comparing him to Henry Nichols' contribution to the game? Because Stephen Fleming's batting record also revolves around uh, the captaincy issues as well. Big draw, big bow to draw comparing Henry Nichols to Stephen Fleming. A really very big bow to draw. Uh, It's 9.45. We'll take a a bit of a breather and uh, maybe have uh, a bit of a chin wag with Cliffy after the break. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It is 9.50 here. Cliff, good morning to you. Yeah, good morning, Smith. A big thing for me is Super Rugby next year. I, the, with Razor coming in as the all-black coach, I'm, well, I hope that uh, we'll see some better players playing in the Super Rugby. The competition last year is disappointing. The numbers of people going to the games is disappointing. And I think that's overall of sport in general. You know, I watch um, a bit of the Phoenix playing at the stadium. It's embarrassing to see how few people are there. You know, a big stadium with probably only two or 3,000 people, if they're lucky. But, yeah, that's the thing for me. It's, it's getting people 
back into the grounds and enjoying and getting that atmosphere because it, it doesn't really feel like there's too much atmosphere going on around some of these grounds. Um, even even with regards to Sky Sport, you know the way they have the breakdown, it's it's just to me. I'm a traditionalist like yourself, and I like to see three guys talking about men's rugby or four guys. I I really struggle with two women being in there with two men, and and talking about men's rugby. It's a it's a bit of a hard look. Uh, you, you've got to look after your own, and and to me that's that's. I struggle with that. It's just where mm. they're going, Sky. Where Sky's going with having to genderize everything and 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 make it fifty fifty. It doesn't matter what sport it is. To me, the best people should be fronting on the best shows and talking the best stuff. And and that's why I like SCNZ because they seem to put guys out there who who know their stuff. You know, like you're talking about Jeremy Coney and uh, the good old days of you know, sports roundup going back, but you, it's good to hear the real deal. And that's what I want to, want sport to be, the real deal. And, you know, and another thing about old Foxy, I'd love to see him. Like that Winning the uh, PGA at Wentworth was my highlight of the year. Mm. It was great to see him do that. And the boy Hillier. And uh, go New Zealand golf. You know, there's so you know there's so many good players coming through, and it's a it's a good strong sport for New Zealand going ahead. Boy, the boy Jones as well. Good on you, Cliff. Appreciate that. Thank you very much uh, for that. Um, look, uh, I'll, I'll give you my multi now. We, we won't play the jingle. Uh, I'll give you my multi for the day if you like, uh, just uh, because we have to get that in. Uh, the BBL, the Heat to beat the Thunder tonight at dollar seventy two. Ford Trophy today, the Stags to beat the Northern Districts at $1.95. And in the NFL today, the Dolphins with a 13.5 start to beat the Titans. And that's at uh, $1.79. So that multi's up at 6 bucks. Uh, so bet on your, your favourite sports. Download the TAB app. Don't f- forget about that. Um, and check out the Grand Tour Hub at tab.co.nz as well. Bet safely, of course, uh, R18. We're coming up to uh, a break. Uh, I should just tell uh, Cliff, I was just watching a bit of NFL build-up before. There's two games on today. And out of the five people they had on, and this is American TV, uh, three were women. Three were women is the build-up. 9.54. Brands are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The Black Caps to beat Aussie on the fourth day of the Test match at Hagley Park as I'm sitting in the corporate tent enjoying life. Good on you, Neil. I look forward to catching up with you there. I hope to be there as well. Uh, South Sydney to win the grand final. That's from Mark. Uh, Fleming a bit overrated, says one texter. His captaincy gave him a longer career than he might otherwise have had. Uh, My sporting uh, wish is uh, the same as we've got here too, Brian. So uh, I don't have to read it out. You know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, But we've got the same one here as well. And so it's uh, interesting, uh, the number of ups and downs that we've uh, witnessed in sport this year and what we're looking forward to next year. We're going to continue that theme after the break. We've got uh, another 25, 30 minutes to go, which will include a uh, good chat now with Stephen Hunt coming up after the news, and Louis will handle that, of course. He's our racing man. And from 10.30 this morning on SENZ or download the SENZ app. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. It's... 10.03 here on SENZ and talk about a meeting of the minds folks, talk about a meeting of the minds, you're about to hit witness it uh, with your ears here, we've got Louis Herman Watt down in Christchurch, we've got Stephen Hunt who's raced down from Trentham because he's just been overseeing uh, some of the maintenance work on the extra starting gates and he's been good enough to race down to Batoni uh, and join us as well, so all is good in the racing world as we're about to hear, Louis over to you. <laughs> yes, 
<laughs> yes, yeah, you, you better you better just stay on the sidelines for this one. Although, actually, maybe I have to jump on the sidelines as well because I tell you what, you have a couple of withdrawals, Smithy, and all of a sudden the um, the deposit bonus stop turning up in your emails, don't they? Um, morning, <laughs> Hunty. <laughs> good, good, good to chat with you, mate. How are you doing? Are you good with yourself, mate? Yeah, we're in good spirits. It's all a bit of fun, although it wasn't much fun, and I was talking to you on Saturday afternoon. Gee, it was a tough watch for everyone, including you guys there. I mean, uh, look, at least we've got a bit of quick resolution yesterday in the in the terms of they're going to be investing in these 18 gates, starting gates, 18 barrier starting gates, so NZTR not mucking around, but, oh, what a tough look for New Zealand Racing. Hunter, you must have had head and hands like the rest of us. Yeah, I did, Louis. Look, uh, everybody comes out a loser, let's be honest, whether it was the connections of the horse uh, or the horses that were involved, in particular the punters, club, and the code in general. So, look, it wasn't a good look. Let's call it what it was. It was a farce. Um, and, uh, yeah, look, uh, NZTR, they had to be shown, uh, to be seen to show a little bit of initiative in the last 24 hours. You mentioned the new starting gates, which is on the horizon, uh, 14 out to 18, depending on the on the clubs or what tracks they're going to be used at. But in the immediate future, we'll be going to 14 horse fields in terms of a limit at Trentham in the in the next coming months. But um, look, let's uh, let's look at it as a race, Louis, uh, and move away from the dramas. Look, I look at it as a whole. Into the 600, they've gone out 60-33, which is 7.8 above open class. Now, if you look at the the way the race shape unfolded, um, it couldn't have, it couldn't have worked out better for those three horses that uh, weren't affected uh, by the false start. And because I say yeah. that, it's because they've gone out at very strong tempo. Those horses that have run to 300 metres um, prior to the to round two. Um, it just wasn't the race shape that was ideal suit and, or ideally hey, suited for those horses. Hunty, so. on that, do you think, because this is mm. pertinent, and I haven't asked him, I haven't spoken to him, I don't know, do you think Vinny did that intentionally, knowing that he had the extra petrol and and poured it on a little bit? Because he did come round and he did. He was happy to sit there and eyeball for a while before he got around to sit outside the leader, wasn't he? Well, look, let's give Vinny credit. Uh, I think let's give him credit. Uh, like I say, I haven't spoken to Vinny and uh, yourself haven't, but let's give him credit that that was plan B. Plan A might not have been to go that forward or show that much intent on Desert Lightning. Well, look, he'd draw an awkward gate, as we know, and I thought he was going to show some sort of intent, but possibly be in the first six to eight with one off, maybe two off with cover. Uh, but as you see what unfolded, he was second outer, um, outside town cryer, who was always going to be the leader, even though it was uh, at round two. He was always going to go forward, Jonathan Parks, on town cryer, because that's his, uh, that's his race shape, that's his style. Uh, but let's give credit to Vinny that he had plenty of time, 10-odd minutes, to think about it on top of the horse and go, right, mm. let's see what I can do to really affect the horses that have already been out of the machine, gallop two, 300 metres down the track. Let's put the acid on. Let's make them run a true 1,600 metres, and that's what's eventuated. And Desert Lightning, I've got no doubt that was the reason why he won the race. Yeah, uh, really good. And it, it get, it, the ride gets better and better the more you think about it, doesn't it? So, um, hey, and, and we've spoken about this horse previously. Like, he returned to racing. You were big on him that day. Um, we were very curious around the wet track. They ran him. I mean, he's a, trop- a proper Group 1 winner, so no issue with the winner at all. Um, gee, there's some performances on the day. Captured by love in the Wakefield Challenge Stakes, just at, like it, it's like Tiako poetry, wasn't it? Opie is quiet as a church mouse, having a look over his shoulder, and she's a big, beautiful two-year-old filly. She's got a chest on her, doesn't she? She's a ripper. Um, she was very professional. She'd had that trip away over the hill here at Tananiko and got the job done in a small field. And Opie elected to ride the filly uh, by Written Tycoon, and she stacked them up. Uh, look, they haven't gone that extremely hard to the 600 down the chute, but they've come home in 32-36 off the front, and that's by a lot of her work captured by love. And I'd say there'd be a plenty of connections. Looking at the NZTR website after she won that race to see if she was eligible for the Karaka Million, she is not. Um, but we might get a mouthwatering clash on the 1st of January between her and Valacious and the two-year-old Eclipse. Oh, that'll be a ripper. Um, Manifique, 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 Manifique. You mentioned it, the, the Wellington guys got the price wrong here and the punters let you know about it. The SP is quite incredible, actually. A dollar eighty, and I just I still can't believe the nature in which she won. What, what, did, the, what did the speed rating come up with? I mean, because it, it, it was just the perfect ride. I mean, put to sleep midfield, 
did no work. But by the time she, she kind of swooped on them at the top of the straight, it was over. She sorted them so fast. Did they go quick? Because there was a bit, from memory, they were contesting the lead early on, weren't they? They've gone uh, a fraction below standard to the 600, minus 1.1. So they've run basically even times, give and take, to the 600. They've come home in a very solid uh, 34.26, Louis, and that's all been the, the business of Manifique because, as you say, she just about hit the front at the 600. She was definitely in mm. front at the 400-metre mark, um, and she was exposed, and she just ran away and hid. The overall speed rating was 1.2 lengths above rating 79 grade, so there's plenty of options now in Manifique. We talk about the penny has finally dropped. She showed ability last preparation. She just had a few bad lucks in running. She probably wasn't a, a furnished mare, 12 months ago, uh, but the pedigree starting to, to really shine through. We know the Mia, she's sensational, was a dual Group 1 winner, a multiple Group 1 winner over 12, well, not 12 at Group 1, but she won over 1,200 metres. She was so versatile and then won at the Elite Company in an Auckland Cup over two miles. So there's a lot of doors opening for Manifique. I think the immediate future is in Manawatu Cup in a couple of weeks' time back at Trentham. Look, she got seven rating points on the back of that win on Saturday, uh, Louis. So she goes to 81 rating points. She gets that 2kg mirror allowance, obviously, but she'll need the presence of a horse that somewhere sits between 90 or 95 just to get that weight down. I'm thinking of possibly a Colorado star who sits at a, of a 95 rating, might be uh, heading towards a Manawatu two cup. So that will obviously help Manifique to get down to that, that light weight range. Uh, but she might be just too, too good, uh, regardless what? if she carries... 55, 56, somewhere in that middle range, uh, and she may be just too good, but she, she's a very, very promising star in the making over the Christmas New Year time. Well, I guarantee you we won't get a price like that again, um, and I, I guess <laughs> the, the only thing is, Peter did, him, I read during the week, was mindful that she's not huge at the moment, you know, she's only still lightly raced, and she's maybe a year away from a Cups race, so they won't, they don't want to saddle her with a big weight, so we'll watch and see there. Um, look, Kind thoughts, Tarazito sleeper. That May special maiden. What a what a great field it was, and that just stood up. I reckon that'll be a big form race to follow. The hottie wool fresh up. I, I know you would have seen her, watched her um, her win at seventy five grade last time in when she went away for a spell. After that, she kind of made a run. I think Sam Collett rode her. She made a run from pretty much the eight hundred one sustained gallop. I mean, this was just a beautiful ride by McNabb. But man, fresh up and apparently Robbie hadn't even been that tough on her in, in the lead up to it. So here's a mare with uh, plenty to give over the over the summer months as well. Isn't his team flying with a bunch of these up and comers? Yeah, he's, he's had a fantastic 12, 18 months, the strike rate, the return on investment. It's all very positive for you if you want to follow the Robbie Patterson stable. And you can back his horses with a little bit of confidence when they resume. His, uh, his uh, profit on turnover when uh, horses resuming is right up there, better than second and third up. So um, oh. the overall strike rate is very good when it comes to the Robbie Patterson stable, but he is a stable that you can back with a little bit of confidence, and we saw that with the hottie. You know, he may have said that the horse might possibly was underdone leading into Trentham, but that gives you encouragement to back this horse second or third up this preparation. But look, they've gone out uh, to the 648.09, which was well above the open class of 4.8 left. So it did really stood up for those horses that were just off speed or in that middle neutral position. They've come home 1.6 lengths below open class. The overall speed rating very healthy, 2.7 lengths above 75 grade and rated 6 lengths stronger than the three-year-old uh, race early in the day, race one, the 1,400 metre there. So a lot of positives around the hottie and he's definitely, well, she's definitely one to follow, definitely, Louis. Okay, let's go to Pukekohe and finish there. Um, Tara Matika, I was giving you a bit of a hard time about the price you, you opened up her about. Um, all good fun, but she just looked like she had massive upside over ground. So, again, um, looking towards the Queen Elizabeth, probably, because uh, it looks like Akokate will be going to the the Group 1, the Zabiel. So, Cambridge Stud, they'll have um, some serious representation at, at Pukekohe, as you'd expect, over those 2,000-metre-plus races this summer. Yeah, she had to chase the hot speed, set up by Segundo at Extra. So she was in that awkward position where she just had to chase it. She was uh, by her lonesome in that third position. Good ride. Get back Great forward. ride. Um, it was a good ride. It was a good ride. But I think the uh, the win, if you look at the numbers, uh, it was added a merit because they've gone out, as I say, extremely hard. 21 lengths above open class to the 600 hit set, set up by Segundo, etc. So... That really did uh, suit for those horses coming off speed. As I say, she was just in a bit of no-man's land, Tiramatika, chasing that hot speed in that third slot. 
she finally found that slipstream just coming around the turn, and she she powered over her rivals in the last furlong or two. The last 600, they've come home in 36.57, which is a game was two seconds slower. First to rating 75.21, which you expect off a very, very solid tempo. So, yeah, look, she's got plenty of upside. You mentioned she's come over from Europe, uh, Europe uh, Cambridge stud. They've identified her as a potential broodmare down the down the years to come, and if she can pick up some black type, valuable black type, well, she may be going to one of her, or one of the high-profile stallions at Cambridge start in the years to come. So a QE2 looks realistic in the near future, um, and uh, look, she's got one with plenty of upside. As you say, all her European form, Louis, was over 2,000 plus, so she was hitting that sweet spot on Saturday. Just out of that race, I thought Zagunto was one to follow. He was the horse that was setting up a very solid tempo. He looks right on song to go back left-handed and defend his mana with two cup. I'm not saying he'll beat Manifique on the weight scale, but he will give Manifique something to chase at Trentham. He is going as good as he's ever gone, and as I say, he won the mana with two cup 12 months ago, so Gunzo looks right on song to defend that crown in two weeks. Okay, very, very good information. Hey, uh, Flamebird bounced back. That was awesome to see. Arby ran a massive race. There was stable confidence. And look, Adam I Am won't lose any admirers because I think Jasmine Fawcett was pretty kind on him knowing that he's got bigger fish to fry later on um, and he obviously came widest. Now, I just want to finish up with the Group 3 Bone Crusher stakes with you here, Stephen. Lupo, Solitario or Kestrel, it was just a fantastic race where two really good three-year-olds went to war. I was so pleased for Orchestral and Roger and Robert because she looks to be what we thought she was because I think to push Lupo Solitario fresh like that, who is a proper three-year-old, means that she's going to get better and progress. Um, did they run time? Did it, did it impress you in the numbers? Look, solid numbers. Uh, the overall speed rating was a half a length below standard. Um, for the Group 3 level for the three-year-olds, but no real knock there. Look, they've gone out extremely slow. That was the race shape. Uh, Tonya's Dragon was always going to get a default lead there uh, with no Rajan Palmer aboard. Um, so they've crawled to the 600 at 49.27, 8.7 lengths below open class, and they've flashed home 33.38. So it suited those horses on speed. Lupo, who trailed in that position, I thought it was a gun ride from Ryan Nine. It was going to be quite tactical in a small field. He opted just to hold that trailing position, got the gap on the inner. Look, I'm really looking forward to Lupo in a strong... 14, 1,600-metre race. All his races, in particular in his last start on Saturday, but also in the south and at Tadapa, have been tactical, crawl, sprint home affairs. I'm waiting for this horse. I think he'll be lethal, Louie, on a hot tempo, being able to sit in that more neutral position and chase a hot leader at the top of the straight. I'm just looking forward to that. It could be on Christmas, on Boxing Day, around that particular uh, potential uh, card, but also it could be later in the track down in January in the Karaka 3-0 Classic. On Orchestral, look, she was first up. She was a little bit vulnerable. The money wasn't there to indicate she was ready to go first up, and she's run a ripper as well, considering she was, as I say, uh, a few months off the scene. So two horses that stretched out to the back of the field. I think the third horse was three or four lengths off the first two, so that indicates those two have just got classes above the rest of their rivals in that particular race. So Orchestral head to the eight carat. And what a mouth-watering clash that could be. You talk about Molly Bloom, Glamour Tycoon, some of the fillies. They're really starting to gravitate and come towards our uh, look at our elite. Uh, we thought maybe a few months ago the fillies were a, a bunch lot, but I think they're really starting to rise to the cream of the crop, our top three or four. Very, very exciting, mate. Great to chat. Thank you for your time this morning, and uh, you can get back down to the wiring of those gates so Smithy can be nice and happy <laughs> with you. Cheers, hunty. <laughs> Cheers, mate. See ya. Very good. Yeah, interesting. Very, very good. Uh, good uh, review of what happened over the weekend and uh, looking forward. What's the plan of attack now, Louis? We've got to go to uh, Daniel McCarty fairly shortly. Would you like to have uh, an opportunity to play a quick game of stumped or what would you like to do? Do we have enough time? We've a bit of gesturing going on here, left, right and centre. Uh, uh, look, we just want I mean, I, I, I'm, we've got six minutes left. I reckon we could smash a stump out. I mean, I'm sure McCarty's not going to, he's got a full day of commentary. He's not going to be too upset if we don't, if we don't chat to him for 30 seconds. Why don't we light the light boards up, see how quick we can get a stump out. Let's get some beers to the good people of New Zealand. Okay, 0800 150811. The, the oracle has spoken, the guru has spoken, so that's what we'll do. Speed round. 0800 150811. Louis uh, got questions under control. Brian's poised, so uh, get on the blower right now. I'll read out a couple of texts while we're, we're waiting. Uh, Maggie, and uh, yes, uh, Maggie, uh, I 
got your sentiments there and uh, also uh, Carolyn as well so uh, thank you very much for your good wishes uh, I shall say hello to Isha for you uh, Maggie she is fantastic uh, is it did Caroline say that was it Caroline yes Isha uh, Caroline I'll say uh, Merry Christmas to Isha for you when I see you in a couple of days time um, my sporting wishes for Ravindra and the Black Caps 2024 leading run scorer and my son qualifies for the New Zealand Golf Open. Cheers, Chris. Right, we're all behind you and your son as well. Fantastic. Uh, that, is, uh, that is great. Uh, what else have we got here? 2023 highs, the Waz, Lowe's Rugby World Cup final. Uh, 2024, hopefully the Waz will go uh, all the way. We'll uh, hopefully have a successful Olympics and looking forward to seeing uh, the All Blacks under Razor. That's uh, Jamie. Um, and my well, my big bear, my biggest bugbear is uh, Gary Steer. The time has been and gone for him to hang it up. When you become as conservative as he has, there's no chance of beating the top teams. My big call is the Hurricanes to finish second in Super Rugby. That's uh, John. Right, uh, shall we get straight to the lines, uh, gentlemen? Shall we uh, play the play the jingle, Brian? One last time. Have you got it? Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Right, this is a quick fire round, Louis. Go for it. We've got Brent in Wellington. Brent, would you like racing, baseball or basketball for a does Castles Lagers? What do you want? Thanks, Louis. Sorry, one more time. Uh, basketball, thanks, mate. Ah, basketball, basketball, basketball. Brent, how many games have the New Zealand Breakers won in this, this NBL current season? I'm going to go six. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Smithy. Brent, my friend, I think they've only won four. Just a couple of chips down away, right in the slot, and away it goes. Alrighty. Brian, you might have to go back to the lines. We might need more people here. Uh, we're going to go to Craig here in Tauranga. Craig, what former NBA star had the nickname The Dream? Oh, God. Jeez. <clears throat> no idea. Um, let's go with Kareem. One of the worst things I have ever seen Kareem the done dream. on a cricket field. Hell, that was a good answer. Kareem The Dream. What a good answer that was. Um, I've got no idea. The, the dream, the dream, the dream. We had this question before? No, we can't have. The dream, the dream team, the dream, the dream. No. One uh, of the worst things oh, I have thanks, ever Brian. seen done on a cricket field. It's pretty close. Uh, Hakeem, the dream. Elijah Hakeem, Wan. the dream. Hakeem, Elijah one, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Radio. Uh, pretty good, pretty good, pretty good. Right. Well, this has become a shootout, isn't it? Keith from Manawatu is calling. Can we get Keith on the line? Who did the Lakers wait, 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 beat Craig, to claim... What? Oh, yeah, yeah, Craig's still there. Craig's still, I'm just saying, okay. there's a very good chance that we, we might have to keep going here. Because you'll know okay, this, Smithy. Who did yeah. the Lakers beat to claim the NBA's first in-season tournament title, Craig? Oh, God, I just saw that too, but I can't remember. Um, yeah, jeez, I don't know. Um, Minnesota Timberwolves. One I don't of know. the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Pacers, Indiana Pacers. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Alrighty, we're going to go to Keith and Manawatu then, are we, Brian? Do we have Keith there? Is, is that who we've got coming up yep. here? Keith, you get, you got a shootout, Keith. you got a shootout. Who is, who is the NBA Breakers, uh, sorry, the NBL, the New Zealand Breakers player that passed 400 games this season for the club? I'd say, um, Ever, is it Abercrombie? Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Good man, well done. Thank you. Congratulations. Congratulations, Keith. Stay on the line. Brian will get your details. Sorry to be a bit rushed today, but the beer will taste just as good when it gets you at your front door. So um, well done. Have a terrific day. Thanks very much for taking part. Try that Castle Stout too. That's beautiful. Oh, right. Okay. The Castle Stout as well. It's beautiful. Right. Yeah, okay, it Louis. It's another, another drop that you've tried, Louis, is it? It is Whoa, what about the thunder going on here in Christchurch? Uh, it is gorgeous, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That castle stout, the milk stout. Oh, absolutely delicious. 
Well, I hope there's no thunder at the John Sir John Davies Oval in Queenstown. That would worry me ever so greatly if that's the case. Um, but uh, right now, I think we're going to head uh, to our commentary dream team down there, which is uh, headed by Daniel McCarty, and uh, we'll be able to get a weather and track conditions. Uh, we'll get the details of the toss shortly as well. Um, and uh, everything else coming up. Brian, just give me the thumbs up when we, um, we can hand it over to, to Daniel. Okay, uh, he's going to pick it up after the break. So that is it uh, for our abbreviated show. Yes, Louis? Smithy, go well yep. in Australia. It will be a pleasure yep. once again to have you on our television screens. Uh, everybody says it because it's true. It's a, It's one of the true thrills to have you commentating cricket <laughs> so enjoy it mate you you do that keep keep yourself out of trouble not too many four yep. x's or vbs or carlton droughts just, just keep yourself online oh well don't you worry about that uh, i'm in a very strict regime over there very okay. strict and daniel mccarty's not only looking after the rest of today he's looking after the whole show from now on it's like wow wow